0: Very good evening to listeners to the Dominican.net radio and to Q95FM radio station in Dominica. Let me say a very special welcome to all of you and to this week in interview for today, Wednesday, the 5th day in the month of December 2012. tonight's nice discussion we are talking the language of dominica agriculture we are talking from field to food from field to food organic versus conventional food what the science tells us and we are joined um, tonight by dominican dr osborne osmond baron who recently wrote uh, this very exciting and interesting somewhat controversial some might say book But tonight we're going to be discussing all of the details concerning organic farming, whether it is good for your health, whether it is better than conventional farming. So a great discussion awaits us as we welcome Dr. Osborne in just a little bit. Okay, let me say a very special welcome to you, Dr. Osmond Baron. Dr. Barron, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Dr. Thompson. Uh, again, my name is Osmond Barron, and I'm delighted to be on your program, radio program tonight, of which I understood it's going to be aired on Q95 and the Drummond
0: Yes, it's certainly good to have you, Dr. Barron. And let me begin by saying congratulations on your very interesting book that was recently published just about a month ago. It's called Field to Food and the subtitle organic versus conventional food what science tells us now dr barron i'm really anxious to get into that discussion about organic food there is so much talk so much about organic foods and we know because we look at the price of organic food and it is a lot more expensive i mean three four five times more expensive than foods that are grown conventionally we'll get into all of that but before we do dr barron i wanted just to Introduce you to the Dominican public. Some people may or may not know of your background, but you're originally from the village of Grand Bay, right?
1: Yes, uh, Thompson. I'm from Mountain, which is a small hamlet in Grand Bay, close to Tetmore.
0: From Grand Bay originally, and before moving to the United States to do your to do your work um, that you've now done and and to complete your PhD in plant science. You worked for some time within the, was it the DBMC?
1: Yes, I worked for DBMC for a period of, in the banana industry, for a period of 18 years. I started with by joining the what we call a banana replanting scheme which was a a funded project by the uk government and that was administered by the government of dominica so it was a quasi uh, governmental project and then yes and then we um from there we merged to the D B D A at that time dominica banana Growers association and then the Banana Growers
0: Association became B M C So you were there from the very beginning when it all started. And Dr. Baron, you were also a very I mean, you were a farmer yourself. You so you, you came from a very from the very practical aspect of of the farming. So you, you know it from a practical and now from a theoretical level.
1: Well, yes, I practice agriculture. I grew up in, in an agricultural environment. Um, I grew up with my grandmother, and um, all I knew was to go to garden with her and um, do whatever it is, whether it's digging, or whether it's harvesting, and so forth. So I, and then after she passed, after, after that, I continued my, my farming. So I have been practicing farming, I have worked with governments in terms of doing extension work, as well as regulatory work and research. I have done research in agriculture, so I've, I've done and, and also training. I have been a training specialist uh, in agriculture, um, so I have done all practically all aspects of agriculture.
0: This is excellent. And of course, you left Dominica, went to further your studies, and you're currently employed with the United States Department of Agriculture in Washington DC. Yeah.
1: Um, I have been employed part of the ULBA for the past nine years now, almost nine years now. And uh, before that, I worked with the Florida Department of Agriculture, Florida State Department of Agriculture uh, and Consumer Services for six years before I joined the, the United States Department of
0: Agriculture. Dr. Barron, with that kind of background. I think you're well-placed um, to discuss this uh, topic that we're going to be discussing tonight, the whole question of uh, organic versus conventional farming. and But before we get into the heat or into the meat of that discussion, could you just define, for the sake of our listeners, what is organic farming, and at the same time, what is conventional? When we use the term conventional farming, what do you mean? And when we use the term organic farming, what we, what those two terms mean? Well,
1: organic farming is a method of vegetable culture, and the same is conventional farming. Both of them are methods of vegetable culture because the fundamental, uh, the, the the fundamental aspect of the farming system are the same. Essentially, the same. There are three phases in food production in in any farming farming situation. There is a preparation that is, uh, you get your, your site, you select your site, you prepare the land, you uh, prepare the site, you uh, prepare the soil also um, by digging holes. If you, if um, by plowing, uh, depending on the crop, you will dig holes. For example, if you plant in bananas, you dig holes. If you, if you are uh, planting carrot, you will make a bed and sow seed. To, to, to sow um, carrots. Then you the drainage. And all of those practices I talk about is being done by both organic farming and conventional farming. Then the next phase is the maintenance phase. The maintenance is uh, the supplementing of inputs. That is, growth inputs like um, nutrients that are required as well as water. And um and then the supplementing of crop protection inputs that is to protect the, the 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 crop while it is um while it is growing from vital pests and diseases. And then um in the maintenance we still have to do with cultural practices like the trashing, like um mounding. Um certain crops require mounding like um um yams and potatoes. So these practices uh, are done the same way for both organic farming and conventional farming. So the method of vegetable culture is the same. Harvesting is the same. Harvesting is the, is the last phase of the of the production um, system. So they are they are essentially the same.
0: Yeah, essentially Realized. this. Mm-hmm, but, but 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 what but what sets them aside? I mean, there must be a difference between the the two forms, though.
1: Okay. Where we find a deviation in the cultivation uh, approaches is in the type or the source of inputs that are being applied. So uh, fertilizers, for example, are used to supplement inputs for for growing. Fertilizers, a fertilizer is any material. It can be organic or inorganic that is used by the farmer to supply shortfall of Essential element, so the plant does not re- always get all it needs from the soil or from water. sometimes water is short, so you have to apply water. Um, both farming systems apply or supplement water by a, a system called irrigation. that is equal now carbon dioxide is another free good input that the plant requires the plant both um, organic farming and conventional farming are not responsible for Providing carbon dioxide because there is plenty of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Now, the the other essential elements that are usually short, that is nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, these are supplemented by organic farming and conventional farming by a, a, a material called fertilizer. And as I said, organic farming utilizes organic fertilizer, and conventional farming utilizes um, inorganic fertilizer, which is co- which is uh, basically. Synthesized fertilizer or synthesized material,
0: but so, but this forms the is, but this forms the basis of the of the difference in in the two right in terms of the fertilizers that fertilizers that are used. So when I go to the store, for example, and I see an organically grown lettuce or, or cabbage, I'm assuming that there are no synthetic or there are no chemical fertilizers used in that process. But you are saying, Dr. Baron, that it really makes no difference that, that whether or not you use the chemical fertilizer or you use the manure, that essentially you have the same product?
1: Okay, I'm, I'm glad that you bring that in. Now, remember I said that the plant requires essential elements, and the fertilizers are supplying those essential elements, like potassium, phosphorus, and, um, and, um,
0: Carbon dioxide?
1: Nitrogen. Okay. Now, um, the fertilizer, the organic manure, or the compost that you apply is to provide Nitrogen, potassium, and phosphor. The inorganic fertilizer that has been applied or the synthetic fertilizer that has been applied is to provide nitrogen, potassium, and phosphor. Now, um, you, you made a point about chemical fertilizer. All fertilizers are chemical. Whether it is organic or conventional, they are chemical because, as I just mentioned, the three chemicals or the free elements that the plant requires. So the organic fertilizer, um, let, let, let's put it this way, the plant will take those fertilizers in the form of what we call simple salt, Simple salts that are in inorganic form. In other words, the inorganic salt is the same as the conventional fertilizer that, that the farmer applies. So this is the way, this is the form in which the plant takes that fertilizer. So convince the organic fertilizer, which is too complex for the plant to take up, has to be transformed into an inorganic form for the plant to take it up. So you see that um, it does not matter what kind of fertilizer, what what type of fertilizer you apply, in the final analysis, the plant will take in inorganic fertilizer.
0: Wow. You- <laughs> Barron, I'm trying to digest this because you're effectively making the argument that there is absolutely no difference between plants that are grown using the organic form of cultivation or plants that are grown using, let's just for a better word, chemical fertilizers as we know it, fertilizers that are man-made, or different from from organic fertilizers. I mean, this is this is this is stunning because. We know and we see the, the, the prices in the supermarkets where you find the same product when it's organic, it fetches, as I said, four or five times the price of those that are not grown organically. Yet you're saying that as far as as you're concerned, they're the same thing. This is, this is a stunning um, conclusion.
1: They're they the same thing. Um, as I said, the, the, the plant will take in inorganic salt. So the nitrogen... That is in the, in the organic fertilizer must find itself in an inorganic, um, form. And I, I will say in terms of, um, a nitrate, which means that the nitrogen has to be combined with a nit- with an oxygen, um, to, or uh, ammonium, or in, in, uh, hydrogen in the case of ammonium, to, um, for it to take it up by the, by the roots. So the organic fertilizer, the manure is a whole set of um carbon hydrogen oxygen potassium sulfur and a whole set of um, chemicals that are very complex and the plant cannot take that up un- unless it is converted into inorganic salt. okay and those inorganic salts are the very same inorganic fertilizer that is being applied by conventional farmers
0: but doctor when when you use conventional farming methods surely the the residue of the fertilizer there must be some element within those fertilizers that for example make people sick or because you hear a lot of people complain that when they eat foods with fertilizers is not as healthy as foods that are grown organically but you're saying that in, that the the plant breaks down both in both uh, methods it is broken down equally, and that the impact, even on the human body, is the same?
1: Okay, let, let's see what happens after the plant takes those, those um, simple salts that I talk about. When the plant takes those simple salts, including carbon dioxide and water that is taken from the, from the roots and carbon dioxide from the leaves, those are what you call inputs that the plant needs to transform into outputs, which, which, which are things like food for us, food and, and other. Compounds. So the plant will take those simple um, salts and process them, synthesize them into into food like carbohydrates, proteins, vitamins, uh, lipids or or oils and fats and and minerals and then other compounds, chemical compounds. Um, You have um, what you call secondary metabolites. These are natural products that the plant uh, produces. Sorry, and then you have hormones, growth hormones, all kinds of compounds. So the plant behaves like a chemical factory, and one plant can produce hundreds of thousands of chemicals. Okay, now let us look at how food is is is, uh, is produced or synthesized. The food, the initiation of food starts with a process called photosynthesis. Most of us learned about photosynthesis even as far as primary school, as early as primary school. Photosynthesis is the chemical combination of the carbon dioxide that the plant takes in from the air with water that it takes from the root into the leaves. That's where the, the reaction takes place in the green part of leaves. And it converts, it, it, the, the, the reaction results in a simple carbohydrate. That's how we get food a simple carbohydrate called glucose. And that starts the process of all other. Uh, substances that the plant will produce, including um, different types of carbohydrates. For example, two simple glucose will chemically combine together, two simple carbohydrates chemically combine together to give you sucrose. And a number of simple carbohydrates chemically combined together will give you starch. That's how we get food. Now, all of these are natural processes. These have nothing to do with human intervention in terms of organic farming or com- or conventional farming okay these are all
0: natural properties. the plant does that not human dr baron let's yes let's, let's consider this okay you have you have two plots of land one where you are growing organically and the other where you are growing with conventional fertilizers it seems to me that a critical role for the fertilizer as we know it the what i call the chemicals that is man made fertilizers is that it tends to Allow plants to grow quicker. Uh, So, for example, you will find that the farmers in Dominica will complain if they don't use fertilizers. Say to in their dashing, for example, they will say, "Well, we we did not use fertilizers, and we got a much smaller fruit, or much smaller dashing than we otherwise would have obtained." So, it seems that the fertilizers play a role in terms of of generating or or growing those plants.
1: Well, uh, it it grows quicker because the the Conventional fertilizer is readily available to the plant, whereas the manure, the manure has to be broken down. As I said, it has to be transformed. That's why it takes a longer it takes a longer time to be available to the plant. So um, the conventional fertilizer is is readily available, and therefore the plant grows faster. Okay, and most times in conventional farming, you do a soil test to find out exactly what you need. In terms of fertilizer requirement, this is not done in organic farming. There's no fertilizers done in organic farming because um, it is assumed that the, the the manure has all what you need in terms of the potassium, phosphorus, and and. Um, nitrogen, which are usually
0: short. Okay, in case you are just joining us, we are talking there to Dr. Osborne barand the author of From Field to Food, Organic versus Conventional Farming. And of course, we'd like to encourage you, if you have a question on this very critical and crucial debate, um, feel free to call us here at the studios. Um, if you're calling from Dominica, you can reach us at 4421211. That's 4421211. You can also reach us at 767-504-4972. F- 767-504-4972. Both of these numbers are local numbers. And if you're calling from long distance, you can reach us at 202-525-7231. That's 202 202- 5257231 uh, Dr Barron I am you know this is this is still I'm still still a lot for me to take in I read the book and I'm still trying to digest all of this and 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 surely because the the organic farming industry or the organic um, farming thing is huge especially here in the United States I mean you're in, you know you have organic eggs for example and you have organic fruits and vegetables and like I said in the supermarket you can tell the difference by the price you pay y- people do pay a premium and they pay that premium they pay that high price because they do believe deep down or they've been told over all these years that organic farming or organic uh, use uh, or the use of organic farming uh, pre- makes the food a lot healthier compared to foods that are grown with fertilizers and yet your own scientific research has found that this is not the case. I'm just curious: how has the public reacted to this kind of information? Because it seems to me that, that this, this runs contrary to what everybody has been saying over all those years.
1: Well, uh, Dr. Funken, this is not coming from me. I, uh, for me, or, originally uh, there is the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in 2009 that came up with their research finding that. Organic food is no healthier than conventional food based on clinical analysis that they did of the two types of food. And that review was done over a period of 12 months looking at um, scientific journals for the past 50 years, okay? Now, that was in 2009. In September this year, the Stanford University of the United States, which is at IV League School in the U.S., They had similar findings to the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, in that organic food has no advantage over conventional food, because there was a a, a strong lack of evidence to prove so. And recently, last month, the American uh, Academy of Pediatry, they claimed that organic fruits and vegetables are no better for children, and that... Science has not proven that eating pesticide-free food makes people healthier. So um, all along you have researchers, uh, people coming up with the same findings, that there is no difference. And what science tells us is that, uh, Dr. Thompson, that the foods are produced by natural processes. Not only natural processes, but the nutrients of a food is determined by the genetic makeup of a plant. Okay. Now the all the traits, all the characteristics of an organism is is as a result of the genetic makeup of that organism. Every organism has what we call a genome, that is the total genetic content of that of that organism. And that is responsible for the proteins, the amount of proteins, the amount of seeds, number of seeds you can get in a, in a in a fruit. It is responsible for the pulpiness, the, the texture, the color, the genes that determine that, not an organic farming um, system or a conventional farming system. So, ev- in other words, every plant variety you have out there, every food plant variety you have out there has a fixed nutritional value based on the genetic makeup of the plant. Now, in order to change that, gene- the, that nutritional value... One must alter the genes of the plant. That's the only way you can change the genetic, the, the nutritional value of a plant, of a food, not by a farming practice.
0: Okay, that is very very interesting indeed. Um, you are listening to to this week in interview, and we are talking there to Dr. Osman Baron, author of the book Field to Food: Organic versus Conventional Food. As we continue our conversation, um, Dr. Baron. You know, it is very, really, very, very interesting. But in terms of how of how plants uh, um, react to pests, for example, um, you're saying that the, the, the if you use organic farming, it does not give the, the, the plants an edge, say, over uh, conventional um, farming methods in terms of being able to resist um, pests and, and being able to survive. Well,
1: um, if you use con- organic farming, Farming. It, it does not give an edge, you said, to for um, the plant
0: to resist um, pests. W- yes, because because I'm thinking, I'm thinking. For example, in terms of because one of the key issues there is a the whole is whether or not um, organic foods are healthier. And I'm thinking that when you when you plant organic foods, if, for example, um, when it is cultivated, for example, if you're cultivating organic vegetables, do you have to use the same types of, of, of um, weedicides, or do you have to use something to control the pests as you would if you're using conventional methods? Because, for example, if you're using conventional methods of cultivation, you would probably use some pesticide or weedicide to get rid of the pests. With organic farming. Is there is there something similar that is used in terms of helping the plants to survive?
1: Oh, yes. Um, there, there are generally three tactics used to control pests in, in farming, or, whether it's organic or conventional farming. These are physical control, uh, biological control, that is using one organism to um, control another organism by um, predation or by being parasitized in the the other organisms. Or you can use um, chemical control. Chemical control is the use of pesticides. And a lot of people confuse uh, pesticides with chemicals. All pesticides are chemicals. Now, both organic farming and conventional farming use pesticides. There are several organic pesticides on the market.
0: Yes. Yes, Dr. Barrett, are you still with us? Okay, we seem to have lost Dr. Baron. So what we'll do, we'll take a, a quick break, and we'll be right back as we continue our discussion there on organic versus conventional farming. We are talking to Dr. Osman Baron, and he is the he is the author of a, a new book, uh, Field to Food: Organic Versus Conventional Farming. And we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko Hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. Call or click today. 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's j a c h q o . c o m com. Okay, we're back with um, Dr. Barron. Yes, uh, Dr. Barron, you, before we went to the break, you were saying that you wanted to make a, a correction. Uh, please go ahead. Yes, the, the, the title of this book
1: is uh, Organic Versus Conventional Food, not Organic versus Conventional Farming.
0: Okay. Oh, conventional okay. food, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the corrections, it's, it's filter food, organic versus conventional food. What science tells us that's the correct, that's the correct title. But um, I wanted to talk on a, a, a slightly different aspect to this. Um, you may have heard Dr. Uh, Reverend Farrakhan was recently in Dominica and he was very critical of the foods um, called the, the, the genetically engineered food are very common now. For example, foods where you, you, for example, use use one seed. And he says each year you have to come back for a different seed because they can't grow after their, their, their own, basically. Um, is this form of agriculture dangerous? Because I noticed that, especially in Africa, a lot of people in Africa fear it. In Europe, they seem to be very um, cautious about it. Um what is your own view about foods that have been modified genetically?
1: Well, I said uh, a little bit earlier on that the only way that you can change the nutritional content of food is to alter the genes of the food. and there are four ways that genes of a, the genes of a plant can be altered. Two natural ways um one is what is a uh, an error in the coding of the genes which is called mutation. And that's how, by the way, we got, we got navel orange. Navel orange is a mutation and that is as a result of an error in the coding of the genes. So the navel orange is not a wild or, or original citrus. Then we can, you can also change or the genetic change can also be, or alteration can be influenced by natural processes like um, insects um wind and bats and so forth can cause what we call uncontrolled cross pollination from one species to another species. So uh, the, the, the offspring of that uh, cross pollination can result in um, having the genes of both parents. So this is what we call a genetically modified organism. Um uh, so that is in the natural. Then in the, in the human being mimic this um, uncontrolled cross-pollination by doing what we call controlled cross-pollination, taking pollen from one variety and put it into another variety of plants and um, coming up with some um, desired ca- characteristics. This is what we call conventional breeding. And 99% of the food that we eat today or 95% of the food today have been bred genetically, have been modified genetically as a result of conventional breeding. Um, and then the, the the next or the other alteration method that we have is the controversial genetic engineering whereby um, the knowledge has been increased in such that uh, scientists have ident- can identify the specific genes that are responsible for specific traits. So they can get for example, if the, the, they can find the gene that confer um, sweetness in sweet orange, they can put that gene into grapefruit to get the grapefruit sweet, okay? So now, this is the only of those four methods of gene alteration that I talk about that can specifically target any kind of change, characteristic change that is desired. So for example, nutrition. Um, there is the genetically engineered rice, which is called Golden Rice, that the the rice that we eat, the, which is called the endosperm, does not contain any vitamin A or or beta carotene. Uh, so what they have done is to uh, genetically engineer the rice so that the beta carotene, which is the which is a precursor for vitamin A, will go right into this endosperm that we eat, this the, the rice that we eat, okay? So, um, now, that brings value to food consumers, especially people who have been um, dying of uh, other lack of vitamin A, uh, especially in Asia, where the major diet is rice and wheat and those kinds of staples, And as a result of um, engineering this vitamin A in full rice, you will find that the millions of people that were dying every year as a result of that would be drastically reduced. So it has its benefits. What are the what are what are the effects of genetically engineered? I, I do not know about about the effects of it, but I know that there are tremendous benefits to be derived or to be gained from genetically engineered foods or the or biotechnology of genetic
0: engineering. So, you would not be as concerned as Reverend Farrakhan is um, with genetically modified foods in that sense? Because I get the impression that people who are against genetically modified foods, they somehow feel that it is harmful to the human body, and you're saying that's not the case. Well,
1: uh, first of all, Reverend Farrakhan is not a scientist, okay? And... He is just preaching what people say as a preacher. So, as I said, there are tremendous benefits to be derived from, from this. For example, um, in citrus, you have uh, medfly, Mediterranean fruit fly, or, or seven types of fruit flies that are really causing havoc on citrus. And one way of controlling that is to genetically breed coral fruit flies. So that, when, so that um, the wild fruit flies will not be able to mate as a result of sterility. Now, this, has, this, this is a genetically modified organism in terms of the fruit fly, which is a pest, but it has nothing to do with this, the, the citrus that you are eating. So that genetically modified organism can benefit both organic citrus as well as conventional citrus.
0: Very interesting indeed, Ab. Doctor Barron, you you mentioned previously that that grapefruit is not a, is not a, a naturally occurring fruit in in a sense that it came about because of human intervention.
1: Um, grapefruit, yes, grapefruit is not a, a, an original citrus. A grapefruit was a a, a breed a cross breed between a sweet orange and pomelo. And that was done by the way that was done in the West indies I was, uh, it was done in Barbados I think one of the planted material came from Jamaica and uh, the other and then the other one in Barbados but the greeting was done in Barbados that's what the history tells me okay. in terms of the origin of grapefruit
0: of grapefruit and <laughs> so grapefruit you said is a is a combination of sweet orange and pomelo I mean, Pomelo, 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 yeah. Pomelo, and the sweet orange itself is a combination of mandarin and pomelo. Pomelo, right. Interesting. So, so, and, and lemon, Lemon is lemon a, a fairly recent fruit?
1: Uh, yeah, well, lemon, I mean, this has been bred for a long a long time now, but again, lemon is not a, a, an original citrus. I think lemon is is a, is a cross between citron and lime.
0: Wow, interesting. So you're saying that there is a place for genetically engineered fruits to make them more resistant. For, for example, I visited a wheat field there in, in Virginia recently, and it was kind of interesting because they, the, the farmer showed me two sets of, of, um, of corn. One corn he had used, d- these, um, it was modified to be water resistant or to be um, drought resistant. And he left, so he, he planted two, two portions, about a, about a quarter mile apart. And it was amazing to see the difference in the same geographical area, just about a quarter mile in terms of, of difference. Yet the plant that was modified to be drought resistant, they, was, they had grown huge um, cons. And the, the one that was not drought resistant, they, was, they, they are simply withered and faded so it seems to me that there that there is a place for that kind of modification but there seems to be so much um, resistance to it uh, there seems to be a lot of resistance um coming from from all angles i know for example in africa the africans are dead set on these um modifications because they they, they somehow feel that you should not interfere in the process of production that, that the food should just be planted and grown in its natural environment. But as a scientist, you tend to share a slightly different view of that. But that's
1: that's what we do to 90-plus percent of the food that we eat today. Like on, We interfere. The banana that we eat today is not the wild banana 12, uh, 10,000 years ago. Banana 10,000 years ago or the wild banana is, is full of seeds. It's like agarva, like you're eating agarva, wild banana. And banana could, can be planted by seed. But what we did is to change that. So there were two wild species that we crossed. And then we came about with this, um, nice, faulty seed, um, seedless or with thoral seed banana. And then what we did out of that, we, we ensure that the, the seeds of right? And then we continue to propagate the banana vegetatively so that we will never get um what we call reversion. That is, um, the the plant coming back to its original wild state. Okay? That's what is done in bananas. So all bananas we eat today are cloned bananas. They're cloned. Cloning has been going on for years. For
0: Thousands of years. But, so, but so so, so, then, so then why why is, is there so much public outcry and outrage then against that method of farming?
1: But who are the people that are doing that? These are not scientists. These are just um what, what we call it. Uh,
0: These are the consumers, right? Basically, consumers and activists, and you know, who are concerned.
1: Mostly, yeah, activists. And um, if you if you look at the the very last section of my book, you will see that. Um, uh, a whole, I, I talk about the uh, food production methods have fostered a flurry of social activity and um, we have activism for all kinds of things in food all kinds of things in food you can think of and if we have to put all of these together in world concurrence, there will be no fuel to food and the world will starve to death
0: <laughs> That's a very interesting, interesting conclusion um but let's take for example doctor baron organic cotton okay which you mentioned as well in your book um there's been quite a a, a bit of a push um for, for for people you know the if you like the the, the conscious um american or the con- conscious westerner to wear clothing that is made out of organic cotton um in your view is this is this um is this even necessary to to, to have stuff like 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 cotton and so on to be because it seems to me from your book you seem to be arguing that it's it's really a waste of time to 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 go through this prolonged you know because obviously if it's organic it will take a, a longer time to come to and all the rest of it and um what is your view on this what's what is your view on, on stuff like that that's not really going into the body, but, but people seem to want to wear stuff like that, and, and there seems to be a great demand for organic um, cotton. What is what is your view on this? Well,
1: my view is basically it doesn't do anything for you. If you're not eating the cotton. That's number one. I think the whole idea was on food, but um, cotton is something you put on you. Are, are, are the people being allergic to um, conventional cotton? Uh, if that is the case, if, if, if research is done to show that every time you put conventional cotton on you, you get all kinds of rash, all kinds of allergies. And then when you put organic cotton you don't get that,
0: then yes. But But then how but then how would organic cotton contribute to that though? Because from what you're saying is that the process really is the same with the with the difference probably of, of the use of some fertilizer that is broken down and really is is harmless.
1: The, the cotton is produced the same way as the food is produced. There's no difference. There's no difference. Um, if input, they give you output. That is it. And all the inputs are natural inputs. It doesn't matter if you, synthesize, if you, um, the synthetic fertilizer that they're using, they get, where they're getting it from, they extract it from the earth and synthesize them. That's what they do into, into a, a form that the plant can readily take it off. That's, that's all. But it's, it came from the earth also. There are fertilizers that are used, that, um, synthetic fertilizers that are used in organic farming. There, there's um, potassium, um, I think it's potassium nitrate that is mined from lakes. Potassium nitrate is mined from lakes. So it's the same, the same inorganic material. It is used in organic farming. There are many states and um, federal agencies that, that um, recommend or, or allow uh, a lot of synthetic materials in organic production. But what is the difference in terms of health? Or, or, or There's the, the concept about um, healthy, organic food is healthy and conventional food is not healthy. Now, I want to show a definition of healthy food here. By virtue of all what I've said so far in terms of how they are being produced and its, con- it's natural processes that produce food for us, then all foods, organic or conventional, are natural foods. There's no, no getting away from that. They are both natural foods, and none is more natural than the other. Secondly, all of those foods are healthy because what we buy those food for, for the, ca- the proteins and the carbohydrates and the vitamins that they provide us, right? That's what we buy it for. So they are healthy. An organic tomato is healthy, as well as conventional tomato. But what makes it unhealthy is when that tomato or that food is uh, it has a substance, or is contaminated with a substance that will, at a certain level, that will make it detrimental to the consumer. Whether it is toxic, whether it is uh, acute or chronic. That is my definition of healthy food or unhealthy food. So, the same organic food that you claim to be healthy can be unhealthy because that food can be contaminated with not only, well, let's say it is free of pesticides, but it can be contaminated with E. coli and human, other human-born pathogens like Salmonella, like Listeria, and a whole set of other bacteria. It can be contaminated with mycotoxins. Those that are that is natural toxins that are produced by fungi fungi fungus fungus is a is a microorganism that affects the plant that can be a pathogen to the plant as well as producing those toxins okay and then the plant itself can can produce uh, natural products that are toxic to you cassava is a very great example
0: dr. Baron, let me ask you this um... There's been a lot of discussion in Dominica, for instance, as to whether the country as a whole should move into this area of organic farming. If you were called upon to advise government in terms of a way forward, and the question was put to you, should Dominica move towards organic farming and awaken from conventional farming, what would your advice be?
1: Well, my advice would be what, research work have we done to find out if it's going to be economically feasible and viable to do, to move away from conventional to organic. I am not against organic food production. Organic might have some environmental benefits. Organic food production might have some environmental benefits. But there, there are also environmental benefits in conventional farming. Uh, so I... In terms of advice, I would find out if Dominic... We, basically, we have to look at why are we doing it. We are going organic for what? For a market. Where the market? Is it local or is it regional or is it international? Then we have to think of what are the crops that we are going to grow for the regional or the international market. We will in bananas for how many years? And you know the problem that we encountered in the international market with bananas when the guaranteed treatment that we had was removed from us. The, pre- the, the preferred treatment or the guaranteed market that we had. Because of trade liberalization and globalization now, it is very, very, very competitive to be on the market. Now, let us look at Dominica with our farm holding, the size of our farm holding. If we are going to organic, is it practical to go organic for a, 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 a regional market or international market to grow something like tomatoes, for example? How are we going to be competitive with an acre or three acres of land where we have to do crop rotation? Are, are, is the market going to wait for us in terms of reliable? Are we going to be reliable to supply, constantly supply that market with three acres of tomato? And next next year, next six months, we we decide we're going to rotate and put cabbage. Is the market when we grow cabbage? Is the tomato market waiting for us? We have to think of all that. Then the terrain of Dominica, the slope. You know, the, we know that Dominica is very sloppy. How are we going to plow uh, manure in the soil in, on, on the hill? How are we going to get a tractor to go out there and plow and, and incorporate manure in that? Do we have an animal industry to sustain the manure that is required to, as a fertilizer? Or are we going to cut down all the, all the trees that we have in Dominica to make compost? These are the things that we have to think of when we talk about organic farming. Have we really start um, and, and think of those things in terms of marketing, in terms of the, the infrastructure, the, 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 the terrain of Dominica, the topography? In terms of uh, um, available livestock industry, uh, animal industry, to provide that, that, that fertilizer, you know, we have to think
0: of all that. So for you, it would come down to question of whether or not it is economical, because as far as you're concerned, the two methods are you are indifferent because they have the same nutritional value. They, they basically have the same benefit to the human body. And in the end, it would just be a question of whether or not which one is more e- economical. If, for example, we were to get a good niche market for for organic farming, then you would you would recommend it. But if not, you would say you would say no, go the conventional route.
1: Yes, it's economical. We we also have a problem with labor, and organic farming is much more labor intensive than conventional farming. Remember, we came from the banana industry. We still have we still have the banana industry, but we came from a heavily conventionalized banana industry where we, we were using aerial spray, we were using a mist blower. Uh, we had problems with even mist blower, people using the, we, we had the ease of operation in terms of mist blower, not tax We still had labour problems. We are talking about heading loads of man going up a hill. We have to think in terms of uh, um, in terms of our move towards organic farming. And as, as, as you said, it, it depends on the niche market. If you get a niche market and you can constantly provide that niche market without any wavering, any um, reliability. That's
0: what we mean. Excellent, excellent, um, Dr. Barron, and thank you so much for this. Um, in closing, there is something that we, we spoke about earlier, and I, I wanted to just come back to as we, as we close up, because I think that, that, is, that really goes to the heart of that debate. As to whether or not um, organic is better, and that is with the use of pesticides. We spoke about it earlier, but I wanted to come back to it. But I think that is so is so vital because a lot of people they fear the use of pesticides in food. For example, we look at the apples and and we want we, we worry whether the apples have been sprayed with, with with pesticides. We look at our raw vegetables and we, we worry that these um things might might be sprayed. As a plant scientist, how how safe, in your view, is the food supply when pesticides are used in those kinds of quantities to control pests, from, especially for um, foods like, like, like fruits, that be it like apple, that be it straight off, and vegetables?
1: Well, i said before, both organic farming and conventional farming use pesticides. That's one. Secondly, pesticide residues are found in food for both organic farming and, and conventional farming. You do find pesticide residue in conventional food more frequently than organic food. That's, that's from what I did for my study, um, the research that I did, you find more of that residue of conventional than than organic. But the pesticide, at least in the United States, where I did, I did the study from the... The United States Department of Agriculture and, um, um, mar- the marketing agency, there is this pesticide data uh, analysis or pesticide data program that is done. Every year they analyze the pesticide residue in food in the U.S. And what they have been finding is that the residue in food is way below the, uh, what they call the tolerance level that the United States EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, set. Whether if you consume this thing on a daily basis, it will have chronic effect to you. Uh, um, to you. So what they have been finding is that the residue on those foods are way below the level, the tolerant level, or this relative dose set by EPA.
0: And the residues can be found in both organic and conventionally produced foods. Yes. Okay, Dr. Baron, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating hour of discussion. I, I really want to thank you for spending time with us. And I would like to encourage our listeners to get a copy, to get a hold of your book. It is available on Amazon.com And is it also on Barnes Noble?
1: Uh It will still be there very soon but it okay. is on another website which is called Field to Food Field Two. that is two, food.com
0: Okay, so Field, F-I-L-D the number two, food.com I would really encourage food. you to get to, f- to Food, food. Okay. Field2foods.com. I'd really encourage you to get a copy, get a hold of this book. A lot of great information in there. We did not get a chance to go into the types of foods, the different vitamins and carbohydrates and what's important for your body and the proteins. There's a lot of information in there. Dr. Barron, great work, great piece of work, and I think that is something that should be required reading in a country like Dominica that builds itself as being an agricultural nation. I hope every Dominican get a hold of this, and everybody that's listening to this program get a hold of this book. Uh, great, really well-researched, great information, and thank you for clarifying this issue of organic food, so I know I don't feel too bad for not paying those high prices for organic foods. That has been my feeling all along. I just had a gut feeling, but it's good to know that the science is is increasingly moving to the conclusion that there's really no difference between those two types of foods. And I really thank you for making that very clear for us tonight, and for taking time us out um to talk to us.
1: Thank you, Dr. Thompson, and thanks to the. Q 95 Radio and the Dominica.net Radio for allowing me to speak to you on my book, Organic versus Conventional Food website. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Please join us next week um, for another interesting discussion of... Uh, um another interesting discussion that will be taking place, okay? So we encourage you to join us next week on This Week in Interview. It happens every Wednesday night from 8 to 9pm in Dominica, 7 to 8pm Eastern Time here. Please join us again for another edition of This Week in Interview. My name is Thompson Fontaine. Have a good night and thank you for listening. <music>